What's going on, everybody? This is Glenn from The Raw Talk, your favorite host, and I am here to talk to you about Anchor, the platform that I use to record and upload all of my podcasts. Uh, If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it's free. So you know me, easy and free. That's what I like. There are creation tools on this platform that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you to all platforms so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money also from your podcast, which is a super good benefit with no minimum listenership. So, boom, get that in there. But I wanted to say that it is everything that you need from a podcast in one place. Easy, convenient, free. You can make money. It's a no-brainer. Why don't you guys head over to the website today and check it out. Go to anchor.fm to get started. All right. Uh, I guess I'm going to hop into this and see if this actually worked. Uh, so wanted to plug in this little speaker that my mom gave me to try to record some podcasts. And everyone thinks I should do like a political podcast or some kind of life coaching podcast. And I don't know if I'm ready for all that. You know, a buddy of mine wants to do a sports commentary podcast, but I don't know. So I figured that what I would do is just hop on here and try to talk a little bit about the backstory of my life. Talk about, you know, school, either the importance of the unimportance. That's not even a word, but the importance or the non-importance of schooling throughout life and how you can turn that to be successful in either way. If you go to college or if you don't go to college, if you graduate high school, you go to a trade school, you go to community college. So I just wanted to hop on here and talk a little bit about that. I figured maybe for my first episode, I'll tell you a little bit about my life story. So my name is Glenn Jacobson, uh, born and raised in Long Island, New York, to a father who was a police officer and a mother who was a nurse um, throughout the time that I was in the womb. And after I was born, uh, my mother kind of took the time off to actually go ahead and um, be a stay-at-home mom. Uh, My dad didn't make too much money as a New York City police officer, but they always made ends meet. Uh, New York is not the most essential place, I feel like, to raise a family, especially a family of three boys, um, all who are right among the same ages within four years, so four years apart. I have two younger brothers. Uh, So trying to raise that family, being a stay-at-home mom and live on one income from a police officer, and I'm sure it probably wasn't more than $70,000, and I know my dad worked super, super hard at what he did, Uh, and my mom really gave us the best life that we could as kids, so essentially... I just want to give you a little backstory as to that. Uh, Lived on Long Island, New York for, I think it was 14 or 15 years before we moved to Greensboro, North Carolina. Now, you can say uh, when you're that young, 13, you don't really have life experiences. And I could agree with that, but I also could agree to the point where um, those are your most impressionable years, essentially, uh, in your life. Um, I think that... I didn't have a role model or someone to really look up to, to give me life experience when I, at that young of an age. So there was a lot of choices I made, a lot of decisions I made that probably weren't for the best of my life, but I've really, really learned from them. And I've been able to take what I've learned from those um, opportunities or disadvantages and really grow into who I am today. So, you know, 13 years of being in New York lived with friends. Um, I lived with my parents, but really hung out with friends. Spent most of my time on the street playing wiffle ball uh, with family, with friends, uh, obviously getting in little fist fights and just growing as a child. So the 
what I want to get out here, and I don't want to go too much into the back story of my life. That could be for another one. Essentially, like I said earlier, I just wanted to talk a little bit about work, work experiences, life, um, the importance of education or the non-importance of education. And I'll tell you where I stand on that. So a little bit, I'll take you back a few years, probably when I was younger than 13, growing up in New York, you have a lot of opportunities to make money. I always saw the value of money, even from a young kid. Um, We didn't have too much growing up. So everything that I wanted, really, I couldn't have unless I worked for it. So uh, I spent a lot of my time looking for ways to make money at a young age. Uh, You know, friends and I would start little businesses and obviously we didn't have an LLC or anything like that, but we would uh, we would do little odd jobs here and there. So, you know, uh, given the four seasons in New York, you were able to essentially, you know, mow lawns when you're a kid for money. In the summer, in the fall, you're able to rake leaves in people's yards. And I don't even know why that's a thing, but we made a killing off of that. And then in the wintertime, you were able to shovel snow. Uh, obviously, a lot of people back in the late 90s or early 2000s didn't afford or couldn't afford to have uh, snow blowers or anything like that. So they relied heavily on the kids to come through and, and shovel them out. So we used to make a ton of money and a ton of money to me was $20, $40 a pop. So, I mean, obviously we're working kind of for a little bit of slave labor is what I would say it would be. But looking back, I learned a lot from it and I learned the value of a dollar and the importance of having your own money at a young age. So doing those little jobs gave me the opportunity to have money to uh, really go to the candy store to get candy, go to the Chinese store to get food. Um, essentially do what I wanted to do, any gift that I wanted or any toy that I wanted, I could buy with my own money. So growing up, I kind of always worked for what I had and that never really left me to the day I'm 29 years old today. So being young and working for money really instilled in me the value of the dollar and the importance of hard work and the importance of saving that money and not just spending it. So you always had something to fall back on. That kind of resonated me with me throughout my years into high school where I had really, really dumb jobs at McDonald's. I worked there for a few months. I worked at Bojangles for a few months where, you know, I put in 100% of the work and got a little bit of money. And throughout your years, you know, you're seeing your money go from making $5 an hour off the books. You're having an accredited job at a McDonald's or, or a uh, Bojangles. You're making, you know, I think it was 6 75 or $7 an hour. And you don't really have bills at the time. So all that money is really going back into your pocket. So being able to do those little jobs and uh, see how businesses work and the structure of business through McDonald's, through Bojangles was another key part of learning to become the person I am today, you know? So, you know, we grow out of those years, we go to high school and throughout high school, you know, you come back and you're doing little jobs because you're you're dating at the time and you wanted money to take your girlfriend out or you wanted to buy her this, you wanted to buy her that. So I never really relied heavily on my parents' money. Essentially, it was only my income that I tried to live off of. And obviously, you know, I didn't have bills and they paid for everything. But most of that money went to to me or to, you know, give my parents, you know, fifty dollars here and there for a phone bill to learn, you know, to learn how to pay bills and responsibilities. But a lot of my work experience came after high school when I got into college. So in college, I think like every single person, and I don't want to lump everyone together because that's really not the most smartest thing to do. But hmm, how do I put this? I, I think a lot of people wait tables. And that was always something I wanted to do. I worked in the kitchen for a while. I've had a 
hundreds of jobs, I think. And that might be an exaggeration, but definitely over 20 for sure. And there were just jobs that I hated and I quit or just never showed up or I never called the boss and just disappeared one day. So, so yeah, um, worked through waiting tables. I learned the value of networking, um, the importance of keeping a schedule, the importance of making friends so that people can cover your shifts and really customer service. That was a huge aspect of being a waiter or a waitress in the industry because you rely heavily off tips. I mean, you make $2 an hour. So what made me really, really good and make a lot of money at waiting tables was my ability to connect to people and provide entertainment because people can stay at home and cook. I think a lot of times people go out not only because they don't want to inconvenience themselves by cooking, but they also want to have an experience. So they go out for an experience. And if someone tells you that they don't, uh, I would agree to disagree. And I most likely would say that they're wrong. Uh, I mean, you think of it like this. Do you ever go to a restaurant and want bad service? No. So I learned how to really grow into myself, how to network, how to be personable, how to be relatable, how to be funny, and how to give people a relief from whatever kind of stress they were feeling at the house. And I, you know, I was 18, 19, 20 at the time. So once again, yeah, I don't think your brain's fully developed and you understand the concept of work or what you want to do for a living after this. But waiting tables really helped mold me into the person I am and who I want to be years from now. So I figured, you know, a little bit about this podcast that I wanted to hop on and talk about why it helped me get through what I went through. And uh, we'll back up again and go back to high school. Uh, throughout high school, I was not a good student. Um, I was always getting suspended, fighting, fighting, fighting people, um, talking back, talking shit, essentially, just doing whatever the fuck I wanted to do um, at that time. And no one ever instilled in me the importance of education, which I wish they would have. But at the same time, I learned so much from being me in school and being a straight C student, uh, D students. I, I mean, I'm telling you, I would show up to class, not give a shit. And essentially, at the end of the year, when you had to take your final exams, that's when I would be a beast. And I would study, 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 learn all of the concepts, learn all of the curriculum, and really just ace the final exam and get through with the C. And that was okay to me. So you know, coming out of high school, I think I had a fucking 1.9 GPA. Luckily got into college off the skin of my teeth. And that kind of still resonated with me, that kind of behavior and that, that ethic of just not giving a shit, um, through college, you know, I, I thought college through these movies I watched as a kid and growing up that college was this place that you just paid money to go get fucked up, uh, do drugs, have sex with thousands or hundreds of girls. Uh, every night, just a different girl bringing home, just partying, drunk, hangovers. And uh, that's kind of why I failed at college. And I never really declared a major. My mother declared a major for me, which was my original one was pre-health professional with the biology concentration. Then I realized that I did not want to do that. It was too hard. Didn't want to put the effort in. So I think I went back to a guidance counselor. was like, hey, uh, let's do the easiest fucking thing I can uh, just so I can get out of here and you know hit the real world not knowing what awaited me so uh wound up changing my major to political science took a bunch of elective classes uh continued not to really care about college was always hanging out with friends worrying about where the next party was worrying about 
what kind of money I was going to have to afford to get a drink or where to buy liquor, uh, who was coming to the party, where the party was going to be at, how fucked up I was going to be, if I was going to remember that night, and yada, yada, yada. So college was fun. I loved it. I went to three different colleges, uh, started at Western Carolina University in Culloway, North Carolina, took a year off, went down to Coastal Carolina, did a year. Can't even tell you what classes I took down there because I really never went and just went to party essentially. So that was a really good time. That was like every movie you've ever seen about college where people were just getting fucking plastered, dude, going to the bars, just not giving a shit. And I I, I don't know. And that was a waste of $30,000 for out of state. Then came back uh, to University of North Carolina at Greensboro, finished there, hardly got in, had to take a summer class to get accepted to UNCG, barely passed that, somehow got into UNCG and uh, finished up there. So I graduated in May of 2015 from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro with a political science degree. I uh, realized that I did not want to go to law school because I had a concentration in pre-law to give me the prerequisites to go to law school, essentially. And I just knew I was not disciplined enough and I didn't want to essentially spend that kind of money to go to law school to dick around how I have been doing throughout the years of college and high school and continue to just do that in law school. And uh, it just, I just knew it wasn't going to work. So I made the, you know, I, and I look back now, I made the correct decision not to pursue uh, further education. I think through my time at college, I spent more time on social life, which was not a bad thing because I really learned a lot of great networking skills, met a lot of good people and uh, really molded myself as to who I am today through college too. So, uh, you know, I, I can't look back and say that I regretted my time in college, but I do regret going to college. And uh, we'll get into that in a little bit, but we're still talking about jobs. So after college, I kind of wanted to find my way in the world. And uh, I took a job with a friend who owned a fertilizer company here in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I think he was making $10 an hour out of college. I thought that was big time money. I was like, oh my God, $10 an hour. I'm about to be raking it in with some overtime. But did that job, did a lot of front end accounting work, did purchasing, receiving orders, uh, managed the day-to-day -day processes and handled the expense reports and filed paperwork. So it was a bitch job. And when I say bitch job, I mean, not women. I mean, just like a like a bitch job. Like you don't want to do it. You're everyone else's bitch. And that's the way it was. So I did that for a few months, worked there, made, made some money, hated it, hated it. Um, hated the people that worked there, hated the money after a while, hated the fucking job, hated the hassle of going there. And every day I would get there at eight in the morning and wish that it was five o'clock at night. And that's just a terrible way to live. I never wanted to live like that. So I took a step back and was like, hey, this is not why I went to school. This is not what I want to do. I appreciate the experience of being able to have this under my resume as an accounting, um, accounting, uh, receiving purchase order kind of front end front office manager. So uh, look for another job, went through a staffing agency, uh, got offered a job and a sales job making $15 an hour. And I was 20 at the time. So I jumped all over. I said, hell yeah, I don't care what it is I need to sell. I want to sell. I want to make that money and I want to make commission because I'm really good at people skills, networking with people, making people feel comfortable. 
So not doing my research, I went to the job interview, uh, met with a guy, I can't remember his name. They offered me the job on the spot. I took the job and I said, yep, I'm out of here. Gave my buddy a two week notice and, you know, just told him I was trying to better my life and he understood. So I went to that job (laughs) and it's a funny story. It was a listening book and that was also in Greensboro, North Carolina. So $15 an hour sitting there making that kind of money. Uh, First day we walk in. Uh, obviously you just do first day stuff. You meet everybody, you talk, what do you want to do? You know, what are you interested? Tell me a little bit about yourself, yada, yada, yada. So this job was a fucking nightmare and I didn't know, I didn't know. And I shouldn't have did it because it really put a damper in my life and on how I, how I really just tried to grow into a person because here I was thinking that I was leaving a job making $10 an hour job I hated to step into a job that was going to better my life somewhere I was going to be for the rest of my life at 20 years old. I mean, it's so stupid, but I took the job. I went, like I said, we did the first day stuff and I think it was a week in and we were making 150 phone calls a day, cold calling people trying to sell a listing book, which is kind of like a modern day now Zillow to real estate agents. And it's just really like the best way I could put it is a Facebook for um, real estate where you can go in have a portfolio loaded up, show the clients, uh, show your clients what houses you have, what houses are on the market. So I think that job was a little bit ahead of its time um, because if it was still um, in existence today, and I think it is, I just think it's super small now, I think it would be a lot more successful. But long story short, a week into that job, they hired me and another guy. Uh, he sat right next to me at my desk. Uh, the day that we got let go was the, and I didn't know this, that was the first day I made a sale. Um, it was a weekend. Um, they never seen anybody do that before. I worked so hard at it. They required 150 calls. I was making 200 calls, putting in the work, trying to sell something. I had no fucking clue what it was. So we would get clients on the phone, ask them if they could do a Skype call. We'd hop on Skype. I'd share the screen with them and I would walk them through a website. And essentially I was selling a product that I didn't know anything about. But that's how you know you're super good at sales is to be able to sell um, sell something that you don't know to somebody who knows a little bit more about it than you do. And me being a perfectionist, it was super hard for me to do that because I wanted to know 150% of what I was doing before I even wanted to talk about a product. But come to find out, you know, I'm 29 now and that's even holds steady to today is you will never know something 150%. And there's always going to be someone who knows a little bit more about the topic that you're talking about or you're working about or you're trying to sell. There's always going to be someone who knows more than you. So always keep that in your mind to not feel down about yourself when you're having jobs and you feel like you're a perfectionist like I was and you're not understanding the topic or you're not understanding what the task is at hand or you're not understanding what you need to sell or what quotas you need to meet. So you know, I, I, and I, like I said, you know, being a perfectionist, it's just hard to do something that you don't know 150% about. So, uh, back to the story of listening book on the same day that we got let go. And I'm telling you the end of the story before I tell you the beginning, because I don't want to run in circles here. I made a sale. I got someone on the phone. It was $150 sale. I was so damn happy. Uh, me and another girl who sat next to me on my right side, went out to grab some food And we were pulling back into the parking lot and I see the guy who got hired with me walking out into the parking deck with a fucking box full of his stuff. So I was like, oh my God, 
I was like, uh, let's just call her Sherry, I guess, because I can't remember her name. Um, I was like, Sherry, what the fuck is he doing? He was a weird guy, so I didn't know if he was – I don't even know. He was just super fucking weird, so I didn't know if he was walking around with a box, going back to his car, putting little trinkets in uh, on his desk and setting his desk up. He was weird. So I was you know, I was like, pull up next to him. Let's see what's going on. So we pull up next to him. I'm like, yo, bro, what the fuck are you doing? And he goes, man, uh, I don't know. I just got let go. And I was like, dude, I was like, you're lying. He's like, nah, man. He's like, it's it's really fucked up. They pulled me in the office. I was eating, and they told me that, uh, you know, they hired too fast, and I got, you know, we had to lay you off. And I'm telling you, it was seven days into this fucking job. So now in my stomach, I get this feeling. I'm like, oh my god, Sherry, I'm about to go back in there and get fired. I'm about to get fucking let go or fired. And she's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. I promise you're not. And I was like, okay, all right, whatever. So. Sure enough, we walk back in. I go sit at my desk. Sherry sits on the desk, desk next to me. And it was just an ominous feeling walking in that door. And, um, you know, I can sense things. So I felt it in my stomach. I was like, oh, my God, this this is fucking crazy. So I just felt it in my stomach that something was not right. Um, and sure enough, I get back to my desk. I sit down. I get a tap on my right shoulder. And it is the owner. He's like, hey, uh, can I talk to you real quick? And uh, kind of was upset. And I kind of knew I was like, damn it. I was like, I'm about to get let go. I'm, this is the first job I'm about to get fired from. And I don't know what to do because I left another good job that I hated to work here. And this is a week. And now I'm, I'm, I'm about to be fucked. So we go in the office. It's him and another guy in there. And they're talking to me and just saying, hey, uh, essentially, you know, we're sorry to tell you this, but we hired two people too fast and we got to let both of you go. And I was like, are you joking? And the conversation literally went like that. He was like, you know, we, we hired too fast. We got to let you go. And I was like, you're kidding, right? I was like, you know, th- this is a week in. I've already made a sale. The first sale I made was on the day I got let go today. So I'm not understanding what the problem is here. You know, I put in extra work work on the quotas. You asked for 150 calls. I'm giving you 200. And he's like, yeah, I know. So he started to tear up. And I was like, you know what, man? I was like, this is, this is fucking ridiculous. Packed my shit and left. So I was like, fuck it, you know? But that was the first time in my life that I really felt depression. Uh, I felt like I wasn't good enough for any job and that nothing was going to satisfy me. And I, I was just like, wow, I, I really can't believe this right now. And, you know, I felt lost in the world. And to anybody who feels that way, um, essentially what I want to tell you is you just got to keep on trucking, man. Uh, when one door closes, another one will open for you. And at, the, at that time, you know, when you're in it, people can tell you the most motivational things in the world, but you don't want to hear it, you know. You think that that's the end of the world. Uh, it's over for you. You're done. Uh, you're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You don't work hard enough. Um, so it's really, it, it really falls on the person because other people can hit that situation, take it on the face and just go find another job. But I was young. It was my first job that I left another job for. I was making good money at, like I said, $15 an hour plus commission. And I was just upset. So I reevaluated my life at that time and realized, you know, I took months off. I think three months later, I applied for another job at LabCorp where I was doing accounts receiving, uh, billing, purchasing. And that job was a fucking nightmare too. Rushed into that job, making $10 an hour, took a pay cut to go there into an office full of all women who were older, who were established at this job. That's what they wanted to do for the rest of their lives. Their husband probably made a lot of money. They didn't care. So they were okay with that. So they walked me in. We trained for two months. We, My first day on the floor, you sit at a computer from 7 in the morning to 4 in the afternoon, and you type. You look at specimens, and you type. 
and then you look at paperwork and then you type and then you send an email and then you look at more and you just type, 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 type. And it's just repetitive. It's a cookie cutter, repetitive job. And that's not what I wanted. I know, I know my value. I know my worth. I know what I'm good at. And that was just not something I wanted. So it was a paycheck for the time being. So I just was like, fuck it. I'm going to take this job. I'm going to work it. I hate it. And then I'm going to find something else. So while I was at that job, I was looking for another job and uh, just so had a buddy on Facebook who was happy with Enterprise Rent-A-Car, loved it, loved the job. And I was like, hey, buddy, I was like, you know, I'm trying to move to Raleigh. Is there a way you can get me an interview with this company? I'm doing uh, lab corp work right now, processing payments, doing accounting work. And I want really, really, really wanted to have experience under my belt for when I go to the real world and look for real jobs that I could say, Hey, I worked for, you know, a fortune 500 company. I was a manager or I was a sales associate with the best sales, blah, blah, blah. You know, everyone wants the best accolades on their resume because they think it's going to get them the best job when in a, you know, in actuality, people don't give a shit about resumes and that's a topic for another day. So Long story short, I got an interview, got offered the job at Enterprise Rent-A-Car in Raleigh. I drove back home that day, packed my shit up in my parents' house. I was still living with them. Um, Had a girlfriend at the time. I said, look, I'm moving to Raleigh. Do you want to come with me? She said, yes. We wound up moving together. I didn't even go back to LabCorp to get the shit off my desk. I literally made them mail it to me in a fucking box with all of my, my trinkets, all of my pens, my papers. Um, whatever little desk ornaments I had, I said, dude, just mail it to me. Cause I'm not coming back up there. I don't, I don't even want my last check fucking keep it or mail it to me. I don't care. So moved to Raleigh, uh, got a job at enterprise. Uh, that was the longest career I had in my life. And, um, how old was I? 23, 22 or 23. I got that job. I stayed there for three years. And, uh, although that was one of the worst jobs I ever worked at, it was one of the best jobs. And I will tell you the hours sucked, the responsibilities of the workload sucked, but that company gave me so many intangible skills when it came to, um, customer service, networking, uh, business management, sales, how to manage a fleet of cars, how to manage other people. Um, that, that is just stuff that you can't get for free other places. And that really opened the door for me. So a little bit about my time at enterprise. Um, you started as a management trainee, um, you're selling products, you're selling car insurance, essentially you're selling roadside assistance to customers that come in to rent cars. I found my niche. I was an absolute fucking savage when it came to enterprise, baby. I'm telling you right now, uh, I loved it. I ate it up. Uh, morning, noon, and night, I was out there selling. I was the first one at the, the counter. Uh, we didn't make commission on this job. It was a straight uh, hourly pay, but I was going ham when I tell you. I had numbers. I was putting up numbers from sales numbers that they'd never, ever seen in that company before. No one could touch me. I mean, I was going to pick cars up in different counties, like Guilford County, which is an hour away. And they'd be like, I'll be like, hey, I'm Glenn. They'd be like, oh, you, uh, you're Glenn Jacobson from Raleigh? I'm like, yeah. So, I mean, people knew who I was that lived hours away from me that were just with the same company. Um, I moved up the fast you could in that company, start as a management trainee. You have to, I think it was uh, nine months, you have to be a management trainee, nine or six months, something like that. 
Uh, so I worked super hard. I put in a lot of hard work. I loved it. I love sales. I love networking with people. And at the end of the day, what worked for me in sales was not selling the product. I mean, I was selling the experience to people. Uh, so, you know, what worked for me was I was able to connect with the people, you know, get a good time going, get some laughs going, find out where they're going, do a little bit of fact finding and really care about each customer. And I think that's what lacks today in a lot of sales jobs is these big businesses put so much emphasis on trying to sell a product to their employees that their employees get tangled up in trying to sell a product because they have to meet a quota where you can actually, you know, take a step back and let your employees have fun with it. And, uh, you know, they can run with it any way they want. Not everyone is the same sales technique or the same sales kind of person as I was. Uh, and that's why I wanted to tell you a little bit of the backstory to it was a lot of the life skills that I learned throughout the jobs that I hated and I knew that I wasn't going to work out forever actually helped me in jobs that I wanted to see myself succeed in. So, you know, from shoveling snow or working at a beer distributor, working at McDonald's or Bojangles, the one thing that everything has in common is customer service. It, I mean, sales, yes, you can argue that sales has an, uh, they're all tied together through sales, but at the end of the day, what makes a customer come back to you? It's not a product. I mean, you look at 2020, there's so many companies that offer the same product. Why does somebody choose uh, like a HelloFresh over another uh, company that sends food. I mean, it's all customer service related. It's all about how you present your product to the customer, how your people react to your customers. And at the end of the day, how how that flow kind of creates a tangible product for something that's intangible. So when I, when I say that, I say, you know, insurance is an intangible product. You can't touch it. You can't feel it. You know it's there. But what you can touch and you can feel is the fact that someone cares about you, cares about your experience with the company, cares about where you're going, what you're doing, why you're running a car, why you come to them for that specific service. So at the end of the day, if you can tailor your um, your life around being able to provide customer service to other people, you will get so far in life. And that's what I learned. So nine months as a sales uh, management trainee, I went, uh, took a test, you have to test out, uh, I passed out with flying colors, became a management assistant at an airport where I managed 4,000 vehicles, uh, over 35 employees, was responsible for not only my sales at that time, but other people's sales too. And it looks like 30 minutes is running up. So I'm going to have to wrap this up here. I didn't know that this software only gave me 30 minutes, so I'm sorry. I'm going to go ahead and cut it short today. We will pick up tomorrow on the saga that is Enterprise Rent-A-Car and how it shaped me. And we'll tie this all together essentially with college and why I think, um, why I don't think college is essential to having a, a successful life. So thank you guys for listening. I know that that was weird and ramble on. Love you. Bye.